Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. of the podcast to be named later. I am Chris Willis, and I am joined again tonight by my good friend Stephen Talbert. Stephen, 50 episodes. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but, you know, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm glad to be back here with you. Yeah, that's crazy. 50 episodes. It, it really, that has flown by. Um, I remember very, very easily our first one, and um, so, yeah, it's crazy that we were already 50 in, and um, a lot to talk about. Obviously, we've got the trade deadline that just happened. We've got some guys coming back from injuries, and Obviously, the Braves got some big series coming up. So, but yeah, it's always good to be on with these with you, man. Well, let's just jump right into it. You know, the trade deadline came and went, wrapped up what's an unbelievable busy month of July for the baseball calendar. I mean, whoever's idea it was to put the draft at the All Star All Star break, I would love to have a, a word with them. But uh, you know, you come out of all that, and then you just dive straight into trade rumors, and you know, and then it's that way for the rest of the month, and uh, you know, and then obviously with everything wrapping up on August 1st. But, uh, you know, the Braves did some things. I don't think it was anything um, really sexy or anything like that. You know, no no real big names, but I thought they did a decent job of adding uh, adding some depth just just for the rundown. And, and a couple of these moves were ahead of the deadline. But they uh, they, were, they acquired Pierce Johnson from, in a trade with the Rockies, added Johnny Chirinos off waivers from Tampa Bay, uh, added Taylor Hearn off, uh, well, got Taylor Hearn in a trade with the Rangers for cash considerations, and then he made one appearance, and then they traded him to Kansas City for Nicky Lopez, infielder from the Royals. Definitely want to talk to you about that. And then, uh, of course, on deadline day, acquired Brad Hand. So, you know, I mean, it was, uh, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of big names involved, but I don't know how much, I mean, you and I talked about the possibility that they could make a splash and, you know, and I think they still could have, but, you know, given where they're at in the standings, what they've got coming back, wasn't really surprised that, you know, this was, this was kind of the results of it. Yeah. I mean, the Braves were in a situation where every outcome made sense, like, Sean and I talked about this when we did our show for the main show right before the deadline, but like there was a very clear version of the deadline where the Braves just didn't do much because they're the best team in the sport. They've got a ton of guys coming back and the guys they have coming back are in the, you know, they're in the part of the team that needed to be upgraded. And so like it always made sense that they would just use the guys coming back as the reinforcements instead of trying to add trades. And, you know, we said, you know, that was always a possibility. And so that's what they did. They they got Pierce Johnson, like you said, uh, about a week before the deadline, and then they got Brad Hand on deadline day. And, you know, we had always talked about the idea of reliever, um, two relievers, a, a right-hander and a left-hander, kind of being the, the main move. And, and so I don't think anybody was surprised by that. Um, I did think there was a chance they would get a starter. Um, I've kind of been vocal in my, I do think the Braves rotation is, I do think it's a bit of a gamble just because of Max is hurt and Kyle's been hurt and Morton is not any younger and, and, and elders never pitched kind of at this level at, at this time of year before. And I was a little worried about the rotation. And so I would have, I would have loved to have seen a starter um, just to add some more depth and a little bit more insurance, but you know, it, there. Nobody should have been too shocked that the Braves had a relatively quiet deadline day. I mean, that's, you know, when you're the best team in baseball, by definition, you have the fewest holes. And, and where the Braves needed help, they're pretty much getting guys back from the injured list, you know, to be those reinforcements. So it 
it it was always going to make sense if the Braves kind of did what they did, which is to have a relatively quiet day. Uh, before we get to the uh, kind of the starter conversation, you know, Nicky Lopez come from um, come from the Royals. You know, he was this guy had a six win season in 2021 you know he just really outperformed his peripherals but you know from everything that I've been able to gather I mean this guy's a solid defensive player uh he's told us he's played everywhere but catcher everywhere on the infield but catcher and actually played made his first start at first base the day before that trade was made this was a real head scratcher for me for Kansas City because I felt like Kansas City probably could have got more for him uh he's arbitration eligible he's uh, uh they've got two more years of control on him and I'm thinking this just had to be a uh, cost-cutting they didn't want to pay him the arbitration they may have non-tendered him you know so uh, I was kind of surprised by that the the unfortunate part about it is is he's just you know I just don't see how he's going to get to play Uh, you know obviously the Braves haven't used the last two spots of their bench much but you know if they need him this is a solid defensive player that can go play anywhere on the infield and I did like man when we talked to him uh, his first day uh, in the clubhouse uh, you know, he said one of the first things that the coaching staff talked to him was uh, they they was telling him about or- Orlando Arcia, you know, who came here as a utility guy, didn't hit much over the first part of his career, and you know, look at what he's done now. He's starting shortstop, made the All Star team, started the All Star game, you know. So I mean, uh, Lopez seemed a little bit of excited about you know getting that opportunity and the opportunity to improve. But I mean, you know, when you look at Arcia, you know, I doubted him. I think a lot of people doubted him. But you know, you gotta credit him for the hard work he put in, but you also gotta credit the Braves for uh, you know, taking him, changing his approach, uh, you know, and, and really developing him into something valuable. Yeah, there are parallels for sure between Lopez and Arcia. They're both were, you know, former top prospects on kind of middle market teams that had, had kind of moved on. Great gloves, always had a question mark with the bat and, you know, had some utility in terms of being serviceable to a contender, had some, you know, utility skills. And Lopez probably is even more of a utility player than Arcia was because Lopez can play, you know, he can probably play left, right, and center in a pinch if you need him uh, because he's got enough athleticism. He's an elite glove at second base and shortstop, which is crucial because, you know, if you lost Arcia, if you lost Ozzy, for any you know extended period of time, getting the defense covered is most important. Just because, I mean, even if the offense wasn't as good as it was, it's still the most important thing on those two spots. But because the offense is as good as it is, if Nicky Lopez has to bat ninth, you know, and play second base or shortstop because one of the other two guys is out hurt, then you can live with that. Um, but you know that the defense is going to be covered in either way. So I think that was the the idea behind it. It's it's an insurance play. It's one of those moves where you know you can't make any more moves after August first. So you need to have a, a real defensive, you know, kind of wizard who can play all over the field in your organization somewhere. And so I think that's what it was. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they make changes to his swing, like they did Arcia, make changes to his approach. You know, the Braves are known for for trying to get guys to tap into more power, and even if that means a little less contact. And you know, that's an approach that could help. Lopez if if he were able to you know latch onto it the same way Arcia did so um, it'll be interesting what they do with him but like you said he is arbitration eligible he's going to cost a little bit of money to keep next year so I'll be interested what they do Um, but this was a you know this was a basically a free insurance policy they gave up Taylor Hearn who they weren't really going to use anyways especially after they got hand so um, this was a free insurance policy and 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 that's why they took it. Yeah, and I mean, he he took the roster spot of Charlie Culberson, who uh, the Braves outrighted, and Culberson actually elected free agency today. So we'll see what we'll see what happens with him. Uh, you know, they went through this process one time before, but there's really no, I mean, without without a lot of people getting hurt, I don't really see that there's a path back to uh, the major league roster for Culberson. But you know, uh, Snit even talked about Charlie a little bit over the uh, over the homestand, and you know, he just talked about how good of a teammate he is. And I mean, you have to be. You have to be that kind of guy to stick around as long as you as long as he did. So, you know, good luck to him wherever he ends up. Uh, the last thing on before we kind of talk about the rotation is, uh, you know, they did acquire Brad Hand. I don't think Hand was a name that was out there. You know, for a, a lot of people, thought as being shopped. Uh, he's a veteran guy. He's uh, he's pitched in the postseason, pitched in the World Series, I believe. Uh, I believe he's with Philadelphia last year. He's got a lot of NL East experience. Not real good against the righties, but you know, he's made a career career getting uh, left-handers out. And I think you and I talked about it. We thought they would add a lefty reliever just because. 
you know, uh, A.J. Minner just came back from injury. Uh, Dylan Lee uh, was slated to face uh, hitters earlier this week and could possibly begin a rehab assignment at any time. We had never really got a confirmation on that. But, you know, he's expected back. But this just gives you a third uh, lefty to uh, put out there in that bullpen. And he's a veteran, and he's, you know, he's got a pretty good track record as far as experience goes. So, you know, I mean, it it, it is what it is. I mean, he's a former closer. Uh, the Braves didn't go out and get another closer like they did last year. But, uh, you know, I thought this was a pretty solid move. Yeah, I mean, it's funny – because of the three batter limit now, we're not really seeing the specialists like we used to. You know, you just you you have to be able to get righties and lefties out because you you know you have to face three batters minimum in an inning unless unless you're the one that ends the inning. And so it, it's kind of wild that Brad Hand is still around because he is a specialist. I mean, he's a lefty. You do not want him facing right-handed batters anytime. You know, he is a get the lefty out kind of guy. So you got to be careful when you use them. You know, you can't expose them to right-handed pitching. Um, you know, you can't get into a situation where the other team could pitch hit. You know, it's kind of a situation where if you're facing Bryce Harper, you know, you know they're not going to pitch hit for him, something like that. Then, you know, that's kind of the situation where you call on hand. If it's the sixth, fifth, or sixth inning, you don't want to use Mentor yet. So it'll be interesting how they use him because he is such a specialist. Um, he's got a ton of experience, ton of Major league experience, ton of postseason experience, so you know you don't worry about that. But I think it's a more of a depth piece. You know, it's a little insurance for Dylan Lee. You know, if they were launching the the postseason roster tomorrow, I'd be very interested to see if they carried three lefties. If if Lee was back and Mentor was good, if they did carry Hand, um, you know, you just never know. It's like I said, it's tough these days to carry specialists just because of the three batter minimum. So how they end up using them and, and how they end up using them in the postseason is really going to be fascinating to watch. Cause it's, it's easy to get stuck in a situation where he's got to face a couple of right-handers and that could go really bad for you. So um, I am, I'm very interested to see what they do with him, how they use him obviously in September, but more importantly, when we get to the postseason. Yeah. I think, you know, it's a situation, like you said, you could see him close out innings. Um, you know, if a starter comes out with two outs in an inning and there's a tough lefty up, you know, you could see him come in. Uh, but, you, you know, it's a great point about the three-batter minimum uh, because it's something they're going to have to keep a, keep an eye on. But, I mean, you know, it's basically everybody has to deal with that. But, uh, you know, definitely don't want hand facing a, a lineup full of righties uh, too often. So, um, but talking about the rotation – I, I really didn't think they were going to get a starter. You know, if they did, I thought they might get a back-end guy. Uh, but kind of Yanni Chirinos was kind of that. Uh, Chirinos didn't look real good in his first uh, start with the Braves, but then looked better second time out. You know, they've got a lot of options, though, for that fifth spot. But, you know, I thought Alex Anthopoulos said some uh, interesting things. He to- he spoke with the media after uh, the deadline was completed Basically said that, the, you know, there was a lot of stuff out there that had the Braves looking for a starter, and they did check on some guys. But, you know, I thought what was interesting was he said that they've been checking with the training staff, you know, throughout the process, all the, uh, throughout the season, and gauging how confident they were that guys like Max Free, Kyle Wright, would come back, and then if they would be as effective when they came back and and you know the medical staff's very confident very encouraged and optimistic is what he said so he said that raised the bar for them as far as looking for a starter so they were looking for an impact guy now um you know eduardo rodriguez comes to mind a little bit but you know with his opt-out it doesn't really fit because you know alex said that you know they basically everybody they talked to they had they had the ability to get them you know, basically they had the prospects or the trade package they needed to get to get whoever they wanted, whoever they talked about. Obviously, you know, he didn't disclose who they were talking to. But, you know, to trade a guy, a top prospect, a guy like Vaughn Grissom, now I'm speculating he didn't actually name Vaughn, uh, or an A.J. Smith-Shaver or something, they wanted something coming back in that was controllable. And, uh, you know, and I think that makes sense. You know, he, I think they really do believe that Max Fried's going to be fine, and I think they feel like Kyle Wright's going to be fine too. And, uh, you know, I do agree it's a risk, uh, but, you know, it was a risk last year and it, it kind of bit them. Uh, but I think every team's got that risk, uh, you know, as far as that goes. So I thought those comments were pretty interesting. Uh, Max Fried's going to be back Friday. Kyle Wright was throwing a bullpen during the Angels series, I know. Uh, I think the plan for him still around the 1st of September. I got a lot of questions over on Twitter over the weekend or over the week, um, 
you know, acting like that maybe when he comes back, you know, he's just a one inning or two inning guy. But I don't see that. I mean, I feel like, I mean, if he, you know, if he's getting ready to go out on rehab assignment, he's got a whole month to get built up. You know, by the time he gets to September, uh, you know, obviously they'll want to be easy with his workload or, you know, mindful of his workload. But, you know, I don't see any reason why he doesn't come back. You know, if he's healthy and he's effective, he's a starter. You know, I mean, he really, as long as that shoulder's going right, he's going to have enough time to build up as long as there's no setbacks. So, you know, that's two big additions that you're going to get back. But obviously, Freed's the biggest one. Yeah, I mean, that was always the, right, like that's what we said. If if the Braves don't do something big or don't do something in the rotation, it's principally because the area they have the biggest need is the area where they have guys coming back from injury. And, you know, that's that was always the, you know, when I said, I think it was to Sean where I said, you know, fans should probably expect a, a pretty slow deadline. And, and that was the that was the reasoning because even if I think they should add a starter, and I do think they should have added a starter just for, for depth purposes, you know, you can understand the logic of why they didn't. And one thing we never know is we never know the cost, right? Like we don't know what these guys would have cost. We don't know what the Braves – had on the table and you know Alex talked about how you know he was having he was having conversations about potential deals up until the last five minutes and he had guys call him and and you know stuff that they thought was really interesting so you know we never know how close they really got and what guys were on the table and what guys weren't but and like you said there you know every team has an inherent risk about pitching injuries especially in late September and early October which is what happened in the Braves last year you know, my only reasoning for wanting to add a starter was because I, I feel like the Braves have maybe a little bit more inherent risk just because Max and Kyle have been out hurt all year versus being healthy all year, which is, you know, if they'd been healthy all year, then obviously you're just dealing with the same risk that everybody else is dealing with. The fact that they've both been hurt all year, it, you know, it raises the risk profile a little bit, in my opinion, which is kind of why I, I I planted the flag where I planted it with, with wanting to get a starter. But yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Like, there's there should be nobody that's like overly upset that the Braves didn't add a starter. Like you, you could explain both paths very reasonably without having to try that hard. So um, yeah, I, I completely understand why they didn't. You know, they are obviously very comfortable with Max coming back and Kyle coming back and and Morton being able to hold up and obviously Strider's probably their their the guy with the least amount of questions at the moment. And you know, Elders provided enough depth and enough bounce back in terms of his struggles kind of early in the month that they felt good about it. And so, yeah, you roll with what you have and, you know, you knock on wood and you hope that that Max comes back and Kyle comes back without any setbacks. And if they do, then the Braves are a setup as well as anybody going into October. Yeah. And I mean, you, that's a great point by you. And I, I agree with you. I mean, like you said, we wouldn't worry to, too much about it if, uh, you know, we were sitting here and, and Strider, I mean, a uh, Freed and Wright had already made 20 starts, you know, it would just right. be like, thing. but since they have been hurt and you, you have to worry about it being reoccurring, uh, you know, I've kind of been holding my breath every time, every time Max Freed's, uh, taking the mound on one of these rehab starts, you know, cause he's, it's just a huge, it's a huge part, you know, because I mean, if they don't have him for the postseason, then things look a lot different. You know, I mean, they've had a historic season, but you're going to need a healthy Max Freed by the time you get the get to the postseason. You know, looking at that fifth spot, I mean, right now, you know, I think Chirinos can, if he pitches well, he's got a chance. But I guess they're they're uh, banking that they've got enough guys and enough off days to make that work. I mean, you're still you still got Michael Soroka, Alan Winans look pretty good, AJ Smith Shaver. Dylan Dodd, uh, Jared Schuster's had a, cuff, a tough patch. Dodd just came back off the injured list too. So, you know, there's still a lot of names there that they could potentially uh, go through uh, if if needed. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, like I said, it is it is concerning. But, I mean, it's a concern that I think every, uh, you know, every team's going to have a little bit of one too. You know, I've got to ask the other day, I mentioned this to you, I got to ask the other day about, you know, if there was any concern over uh, – you know, an innings limit or anything like that. And, you know, just to be honest, I don't think the Bra- that's something the Braves really worry. The Braves worry about it all the time, but you're not going to hear them say an arbitrary number like 120 innings or 140 innings or, or anything like that because they're gauging these guys uh, after every start and, uh, you know, really looking at their stuff. And, I'll, I mean, Elder, you know, I, I think there's a good chance, you know, he had a two-game stretch there where, you know, he was really pretty terrible, but he's been – better since in two starts so you know but I mean he's going to be creeping up on a 
on a, a career high workload, same with Spencer Strider. But I think the way the Braves manage this is it's how you'll see, you know, uh, they'll give guys extra days, extra couple of days, juggle a rotation, have a guy come up for a spot start. You know, they, they kind of manage that, you know, so I'm not I'm not too terribly worried about it. And I think honestly, with this big of a lead, you know, as long as things just don't go completely south, they're going to have the luxury once they get to August and September of setting this thing up like they want. You know, they don't want a guy to get too much rest, but at the same time, you're not going to grind a guy uh, into the ground either, you know, not with this type of lead. Yeah, the pitch the pitch limit, it's like it, it capping guys at, at certain amounts of, of pitches or, or innings or whatever is an interesting conversation because it's something that happens all over baseball. And, you know, the, the Marlins kind of famously sit down Yuri Perez to kind of manage his workload and, and haven't really been the same since. And, you know, the, the Nationals famously did it with Strasburg. They shut him down in the middle of a playoff push and, you know, caught a ton of flack and all that. And, and obviously he ended up getting hurt anyway, so... Um, the conversation around that stuff is always interesting to me. I, you know, Strider is probably the one that's m- the most interesting in terms of this team, just because, you know, I think his career high in innings is like 130 innings. And I think right now he's at like 129 innings. So like he's going to blow through his, his career innings limit, you know, in his next start. And so I I am curious to see what they do. I, I agree with you. I think they will just you know, here or there, skip a start, push a start back a couple of days. When you got a 12 game lead, you can do a lot of stuff. You can skip starts entirely. You can, yeah, you can have run a six man rotation. You can run a seven man rotation if you want to, you know, when Kyle Wright gets back and you want to give everybody some work, um, you know, when you really don't have to worry about what you're doing in August, then you can, you can be very flexible. And so I think that's what they'll do, but we'll see. I, you know, I, I, you know, I've heard Alex talk about not having arbitrary limits on on just a hard innings cap because they haven't ever proven to work, and I very much agree with that approach. And I don't, I've never seen them work the way that you know they get used and talked about. So you know, def- definitively about you know we can't let a guy throw more than 150 innings, and you know if he does that, his arm's going to fall off. Well, you know they cap it, they shut him down, and then the next year he gets hurt anyways. So yeah, I don't really agree in a, in a hard cap and a hard line and. You know, it's probably just best just to take it start by start, see how guys feel, and and if you're if they're good, then yeah, keep keep letting them roll out there. Uh, just to wrap up this segment, I wanted to uh, you know to kind of look at the, where the bullpen's at at the moment. Um, right-handed options: you got Iglesias, Jimenez, Pierce Johnson, Kirby Yates, Colin McHugh, Michael Tonkin. Lefties: you got Minner and Brad Hand down there. I believe I believe that's correct. Uh, you've still got injured guys. You got Dylan Lee, Jesse Chavez. And hopefully Nick Anderson, again, there's been no updates on him, but, I mean, he was basically shut down for the first of the month. But I do know that there was talk about putting him on the 15-day injury list instead of the 60. So, you know, I think it's one of those situations where, again, you know, middle of September, he'll have a chance to be back in the mix provided he's healthy. So, you know, I feel like the bullpen, you know, it, was, it got a little bumpy there when Minner was out, you know, and you had guys pressed up into roles. But Joe Jimenez has been really good lately. Rosel Iglesias has been really good lately. Minner's back. You know, I'm feeling a little bit better uh, about this bullpen situation than where I was, you know, say a, a week and a half ago. Yeah. Well, Joe Jimenez really stepping up. You know, Kirby Yates had some strong uh, appearances while all those guys were out. AJ's back now. It looks like Dylan Lee's going to be back pretty soon. Like you said, Nick Anderson is, is hopefully going to be back in September. Pierce Johnson has looked really strong. Um, you know, he's been striking out a ton of guys. His stuff looks great. Um, he had a couple of bad luck stuff happen in Boston, but other than that, he's, he's had a couple of probably two or three really strong looking appearances. So yeah, the bullpen is in, in good shape. And, it, and like you said, Iglesias has been, you know, he had a couple of, um, inconsistent kind of rough outings for his standards, but he's looked better lately too. So yeah, bullpen looks strong. It looks deep. So if they get all these guys back, they're going to be seven, eight deep in terms of really quality pitchers. So that obviously helps the rotation. You know, most starters are only going to go five innings in the playoffs anyways. You, you rarely ever see a, a starting pitcher allowed to face an order a third time in the postseason. Um, so how deep your bullpen is matters a lot, and the Braves look like they have one of the deepest pins in the in the league. So, you know, that's why they added depth there. That's why they added some veterans, and, and obviously they've got guys coming back. So, yeah, that's if everyone comes back and everyone's looking good, then that's definitely – one of their strengths is is how good and how deep that bullpen is. 
All right, that's going to wrap up the first segment. Let's take a break, and then let's talk about the rest of the NL East. The NL East was pretty active as far as the trade deadline went. Obviously, the standings as we record uh, now, I didn't look at, I didn't look to see if anybody was still playing. I think everybody played today. But the Phillies are 59-50. and 50. They're 11 and a half games back of the Braves, and they've got a one-game lead in the wild card. The Marlins are 58-52, and 52, just lost three of four to the Phillies, uh, which is pretty significant if you ask me. Uh, they're 13 games back, and they're a half game back of the final wild card spot. You know, the Phillies were kind of quiet with the deadline. They only made a couple of d- deals. Uh, the big one was Michael, getting Michael Lorenzen from the Tigers. Paid immediate dividends today. He went eight innings and allowed two runs against the My- Marlins in, uh, in Miami. And they acquired uh, infielder Rodolfo Castro from the Pirates, who kind of fell out of uh, fallen out of favor in Pittsburgh. You know, I mean, the Phillies had a huge offseason. Uh, Trey Turner's having the worst season of his career. But this is still a team that scares me if you get into a – especially if you get into a short series because we've seen it. I mean, Bryce Harper's good enough. If Bryce Harper gets hot, he can carry you through a playoff series. Same with Trey Turner. I think my question was, is you know, is, is Lorenzen enough – uh, for that uh, starting rotation because Aaron Noah's been bad. Uh, Zach Wheeler's still Zach Wheeler, uh, but they've had a hard time piecing that rotation together. And I even heard a little talk that they might throw Lorenzen out of the out of the bullpen, but I would say if he continues to pitch like he did today, he's going to be in that rotation and he's going to be pitching every fifth day. But, you know, were you surprised that the Phillies didn't um, – didn't at least add an outfielder or, uh, you know, make a try to make a bigger swing or, you know, was this kind of what you were expecting? I mean, it's tough when you're, when you're these team, when you're the, when you're the Marlins and the Phillies, you can only bet on the wild card, right? Like you're 12, I don't know, 11 and a half, 12, 13 games back in the division. Like you're, there's no play for the division. Like you can't, you can't make moves with that in mind. You have to make moves with a wild card in mind. And when you're talking about the wild card, you're talking about a three-game series, one three-game series where any literally anything can happen. So, like, with teams in these situations, I'm always curious to see, you know, what's the what's the move? Like, how aggressive? Because it's so, it's so random, and, and Major League playoffs are so random anyways, but when you're talking about a three-game series, you don't even get five games. You're not even guaranteed five games. You're guaranteed three games. I mean, it's two losses, and you're, you go home. And... You know, how aggressive are you going to be? How much are you going to add when that's your ceiling? And that's kind of the ceiling for the Phillies and the Marlins this year is a wildcard spot just because the Braves are just miles ahead of everybody. And so, you know, I was honestly more surprised to see how aggressive Miami was than I was to see how conservative Philly was. Like, Philly's moves made sense to me because, yeah, you try to add a starter to get some depth in your rotation. If they had added an outfielder, like a Duvall-type guy, it wouldn't have shocked me, but, like, you know, you've paid all these guys a lot of money. You need Schwarber to play better. You need Castellanos to play better. You definitely need Trey Turner to play better. He's He's been just god-awful. But, you know, if those guys aren't going to play better, then Adam Duvall is not going to make any difference anyways, right? So, like, I kind of got it from Philly's point of view. You know, Miami went big. They traded their number one prospect for, you know, uh, Jake Berger, who I think we're going to talk about here in a second. But, yeah, I wasn't that surprised about Philly. That's kind of what I would have done, too. I would have played played with the edges of the roster and – you know, if my core players aren't going to play better, then it's not going to matter anyway. So, you know, that's kind of what they have to bank on. Yeah, I do want to credit Miami because, uh, it, you know, they've, they're they're in position to make a playoff, uh, you know, spot. They Obviously, they made it in 2020, but the, the playoffs were expanded a short season. You know, I'm not trying to discount that, but, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, that's exactly what, what I'm doing. But, um you know, when you look at them, I mean, they were aggressive. You know, they went out, they got uh, relief help, from David Robertson from the Mets, Jorge Lopez from the Twins, Ryan Weathers from the Padres, uh, then got Jake Berger and Josh Bell uh, to kind of help that offense because that offense, honestly, you know, has kind of been the, the thing that's really held them back, honestly. There's not a lot of power there. Berger's going to provide that. Bell should help at first base. Uh, they just got Jazz Chisholm back. You know, Avisel Garcia is back. But, you know, again, at the end of the day, you know, they lost three out of four to the Phillies. You know, I know all these guys may not be there and, you know, you're getting tooled up for the stretch run. But, I mean, at the end of the day, this is the this is the deal for Miami. They're 29-32 and 32 against teams with a, a 500 or, or better record. They're 14-19 and 19 against the NL East. That breaks down to 1-9 and nine against the Braves, 2-5 and five against the Mets, 5-5 five and five against the Phillies, and they've, they've beaten the Nationals six times, 6-0 and oh against the Nationals. 
they got to play better against better uh, against the good teams. They got to take care of business in the division, you know. But I, I'm glad. I thought it was a good move. If you're a Marlins fan, I thought it was good to see them go out and get some guys. You know, Jake Berger strikes out a lot, but they don't really. They shouldn't really care because he hits homers. And you know, to go, they really didn't have anybody other than Jorge Soler in that lineup that just really kind of scared you with the power. So, you know, I'm kind of anxious to see how the how those moves fit together. You know, they need Sandy Alcantara to pitch better down the stretch. He's kind of been up and down, looked a little bit better lately. Uh, but I think it's going to be an interesting race between them and the Phillies all the way to the end. Yeah, you know, I anybody that listens to this show knows that, you know, I've, I, I have very little confidence in the Marlins and, and really have kind of all year and, you know, they're about to start an absolutely brutal stretch. I mean, they play like they go to Texas, they go to Cincinnati, they play the Yankees, they play the Astros, they play the Dodgers, they play the Padres. Like that's a, that's like their next six series is all against really good teams and a lot of it on the road. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see where they stand September 1 after they played this stretch, if they're still in it. Um, if they're still in it, I'll give them a lot of credit for that what they're about to play. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I'm also curious about their young starters. You know, we were just talking about innings limits and caps for the Braves, but like, you know, Lazardo and, and obviously they've already sent down Yuri Perez and, and Braxton Garrett. Like how many innings are they going to let these guys pitch and, and how well are they going to pitch in, in the dog days of August? And if in September, you know, places they've never pitched before and, and innings numbers, they've never even come close to pitching before. And, you know, how all that stuff looks. So I'm, I'm very interested to see. I, I don't have a lot of confidence in Miami. You know, I, I, if I'm a fan, I appreciate the fact that they went out and added aggressively. They, they tried to fix the offense with Bell and Berger. You know, they added to the bullpen with Robertson. They gave up some real prospects. I mean, they gave up their number one prospect in that Berger deal. So like they, they went hard at this, you know, at the 2023 season, you know, now how smart that ends up being when you're, when your ceiling is the wild card spot, you know, that's up for debate, but the fans can't, you know, they can't say anything about the team not trying. Cause obviously the team went out and, and tried to aggressively add. And if they're still around in September, if they make it through this stretch of August where they're, they're not just completely buried, then I'll be impressed. They'll, they'll have shown me something, but you know, if I'm being honest, and, you know, I've kind of said this all year. I, I don't see it. I think they're going to probably fall off the wagon pretty hard here. I think they're like 5-13 and 13 since the All-Star break. And they haven't even really started their tough stretch of games yet. So um, we'll see what they do. We'll see how well they play. Um, but my guess is by the time we get to September, um, they're going to be pretty far out of that wild card race. Definitely a big stretch coming up for them. They can't wait around. You know, I mean, they're like you said, they've struggled coming out of the All Star break. They've got to go. I mean, the times for them to to go is now, or they're going to be in trouble. I don't know if I can see. Like I said, if they if they survive this brutal stretch and get to September first, I think it's going to be interesting to see if if them and the Phillies both can get in. Um, yeah. you know, I think that's an interesting thing. Cause I kind of feel like it's going to be one or the other. And I mean, if it's head up, I've got to give the Phillies the edge, but, uh, yeah. you know, I, it'll be again, this brutal stretch is coming up. It kind of feels like what the Braves went through in May is what the Marlins are fixing to have right now. And, uh, you know, and it's going to, it's going to, it's going to tell their, uh, you know, tell the story of their season and, uh, you know, but good, good for them not standing pat, you know, they at least went out and got some guys to try to start to supplement that roster. I don't have the Nationals on this uh, on this rundown because they, all they did was trade Heimer Candelario, which I thought was good because uh, they picked him up off the scrap heap from the Tigers. I still don't understand why the Tigers non-tendered him and flipped him for a prospect. You know, so that was that was a good job by them. That was the only real deal they made. But Stephen, we got to talk about the Mets. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm I I can just remember back. I don't remember exactly in December when we were talking about how it was going to be the Mets and the Phillies uh, running this division because of all the money those two teams had spent. And yet, here we are. The Phillies are still in it, hunting for a wild card, but the Mets actually sold. And, I mean, sold. And when I say sell, I'm talking about sending millions out to try to uh, recoup some good prospects, you know, coming back. So uh, this was, this was amazing. I mean, I, you know, and I, I, I'll give them credit. I mean, I'm glad that they, I think it's smart that they recognized what was going on. Every team can't do this. You know, Steve Cohen's able to just write a check and, and make a mistake go away. Uh, but I think you and I talked about it. They doubled down on an old roster and made it even older. And um, it didn't work. 
You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure a lot of Mets fans will disagree with me. I thought they overachieved last year to 101 wins, but they bet on them doing it again, and it just has not worked out at all. But Justin Verlander to the Astros, Matt Scherzer to the Rangers, about, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but about $90 million uh, going into those two teams to try to cover cover part of those salaries. Uh, David Robertson to the Marlins, Mark Canna to the Brewers, Tommy Pham to the Diamondbacks, and Dominic Leone to the angels and uh i'm really not sure they're done i mean it depends on what you say uh, what you believe matt scherzer says that he was basically told that they were not going to try to compete next year that you know they were still going to be retooling justin verlander had a little bit of a different story uh today with the astros so this team's going to be interesting to watch i thought they i thought they handled this well because like i said cohen's like a get out of jail free card every team can't do this with bad contracts but it's not going to matter at all if they go out this offseason and do it all again, you know. So I'm going to be really interested to see how they handle the offseason uh, because you just can't give out these huge contracts to aging veterans and, and because they just don't – it just does not always work out, you know. So You cannot build baseball teams through free agency. Like this is what the Phillies had to learn the hard way. You know, in 2022 – they went like six for six on all of their free agent signings. And not only did they all play well, but they all played to like their 99th percentile outcome. And it was fool's gold because it told them that they can just go out and sign eight free agents a year at top, top, top dollar, and that they're just going to play well. And that's not what ever happens. Like what happened to the Mets in 2022 never happens. You don't ever go six for six with all your free agent signings. And not only do they all play well, but they all play at their, like the very top level of their, you know, of their talent. And what happened this year was the course correction where, you know, Scherzer didn't pitch well. Verlander didn't pitch well. They had some, you know, uh, Edwin Diaz got hurt in the World Baseball Classic. Some of the relievers they brought in, you know, didn't do much. You know, they didn't really address the offense in the offseason, and the offense was really inconsistent last year, and arguably the reason they ended up getting chased down by the Braves and losing in the postseason is because they couldn't score, and they just went through these long, long stretches of, you know, when you have to when you have to string together six, seven hits to get three runs, you know, it's really, really tough to do that against top-level pitching and good teams and in the postseason, and, you know, Alex was talking about this on the broadcast about, you know, why they care so much about home runs is because a walk in a homer is two runs in the postseason. Well, you got to get five singles in a row to get two runs, you know, if that's the game you play. So, you know, it, it, I just, it was fool's gold last year and they didn't learn from it and they thought they could redo it and they just went older and more expensive and it, it flopped pretty hard. And, you know, I had Mets fans really mad at me in the off season. I, I tweeted something like, I don't really see how the Mets are actually any better, um, you know, and, and very arguably worse. And, even in my wildest dreams, I didn't think it would be this bad where they're selling off half the damn roster, you know, at the trade deadline. And honestly, at where they are now, I'm kind of surprised they stopped where they stopped. I mean, I would have traded Alonzo. I mean, if you're not going to be competitive in 2024, you know, that's Alonzo's last year under team control. They don't look like they're going to get an extension done. I mean, hell, you might as well have traded Alonzo. I mean, there wasn't a lot of bats out there that were of any consequence at all. You probably could have gotten something decent in a seller's market. You know, they they held on to Rayleigh, Brooks Rayleigh out of the bullpen. Um, I'm a little surprised they did that. You know, they could have kept going. Or, you know, they could have traded Brandon Nemo. I mean, I don't I don't know how deep they're going to cut this roster down. But, you know, unless they try to do it all over again, I mean, they don't have a rotation next year unless they, you know, sign a bunch of free agents again. And, you know, how many more times can you go to that well before you learn your lesson that you've got to actually build up some talent in your system that comes through and, you know, Brett Beatty has been kind of a disappointment. He was supposed to be the third baseman of the future this year. He's looked really, really suspect over there. You know, their one bright spot has probably been Alvarez, who's been really, really, really good at catcher and, and looks like a real piece of the future. But, you know, they, they had a guy, Ventos, that was supposed to come up and be all the, you know, this big bad, and he's really struggling any, anytime he's been up. So I don't know what they're going to do, but it's fascinating. Like you said, it's never it's not, it's never boring with the, with that team. And, um, you know, I have a lot less Mets fans in my mentions this year than I did last year, um, which is hilarious because they've just sucked and you can't say much when you suck and they sold and they, they at, attached a bunch of money just to try to get any prospects back, which, you know, like you said, most teams can't spend the kind of money they spent just to send people away. Um, 
You know, they spent more money selling off Verlander and Scherzer than some teams pay for their entire payroll. You know, that's just the the luxury of having Cohen as your owner. But they're not going to keep doing that. I can promise you, even a guy as rich as Cohen has got a limit to how much dead money he's going to accept. So um, it's going to be very, it's going to be fascinating. Their their offseason is going to be fascinating and what they do. And, and like, if you're a free agent, like, do you even, do you trust them enough to even sign with them? Like, are you just going to get shipped off at the deadline? Like, like Scherzer and Verlander just did. So that's going to be really fascinating to watch. Well, Cohen's always said, he's always said the right things. He, you know, he kind of used the Dodgers as the, as the model, you know, he wants to be able to spend big on the, on the major league roster, but at the same time he wants to develop that, uh, you know, that minor league system. And I mean, I think a lot of, it's not just trading for prospects, you know, it's investing in the technology and the, and the uh, uh, coaching and, you know, to, to develop your prospects. And I think that's an underrated thing when you look at the Braves, you know, I think, you know, I think the Braves have had a lot of success with that. And I think the Mets, the Mets have the ability to get to that. Um, but you know, I don't think they're there yet. And, uh, you know, we've seen some of their younger players come up and struggle this season. I think the only reason Starlin Marte didn't get, uh, shipped off was because he was hurt. Uh, he was having migraines, you know, I, that was another contract is four years, 78 million. You know, I was like, man, that's, you know, that's two years too long. And I got pushback, but you know, I mean, he's he's been hurt all season. He was kind of hurt. He was hurt at the end of last year, and it really killed him. Uh, you know, killed their offense, and, uh, and especially in the postseason and in that final series with the Braves. So, you know, I will I'll be surprised. I mean, he's old. He's old. He's gonna at the end of the season. I mean, he's gonna be old over forty million still. So they'll have to pay a huge chunk of that to dump him. But you know, uh, I mean, Edwin Diaz was some bad luck. But you know, that's another. That's a historic contract for a reliever, and we know how volatile they can be. But, I mean, this Francisco Lindor, I'm going to admit, when they traded for Francisco Lindor and then signed him to that deal, I thought, man, this team's going to be – this is going to be – you know, this might be this might be bad for the rest of the NL East. But Lindor, man, he's, he's already – what, he's fixing to be 30, and he's not the same guy he was in Cleveland. And, uh, man, they owe him $34 million a year all the way through 2029. Again, may not matter to them because they've got the deepest pockets in the league. But, man, it's just, uh, it's just a surprise in the turn of events because I, under no circumstance did I see them uh, selling. You know, I thought they would at least be right there with the Mets, I mean with the Phillies and the Marlins, uh, you know, in, in the, at least in the, in the race you know, to make the postseason, but, uh, man, it was, what a shocking turn of events. Yeah. And I, you know, we have to mention that they have an Acuna in their, in their system. Now <laughs> the Rangers traded Ronald's brother, uh, in the Scherzer deal. And, and obviously the Mets had to eat a ton of money to make that even possible because just on its face, you know, Scherzer's contract was upside down in terms of value. So the Mets had to send, you know, I don't know, 50 something million dollars to make it or 30, 40 million dollars, something like that to make it even possible but the Mets do have an Acuna in their in their system now and he's not you know he's not the same level of prospect that his brother is or was he doesn't have that same level of power but you know he's still supposed to be a really good prospect so you know like you said it's going to be very interesting to see how the Mets player development staff which is not the most renowned in the in the league um, how they handle all kind of this new wave of prospects Looking ahead to this weekend, uh, the Braves head to Wrigley Field on Friday for the first matchup against the Chicago Cubs this season. Uh, the Cubs come, I think, to Atlanta the last homestand of the season in uh, at the end of September. First meeting of Dansby Swanson since he uh, sh- signed with Chicago this past offseason. And the Cubs were a team that we kind of thought was going to sell, uh, was going to st- uh, tear it down, but they got hot at the right time. Uh, they've won eight of ten uh, and two straight. I think. I think they're playing the Reds tonight as we're um, as we are uh, recording this. But one of the interesting things about them, uh, you know, the NL Central's not real good. It hasn't been good all year. Cubs have had a positive run differential pretty much the whole season, even when they were fourth in that division. I don't know if they ever actually fell into last place. Uh, but they're three back games back behind the Brewers and the Reds uh, entering today. Two and a half back of the final wild card spot. They added Candelario from the uh, from the Nationals at the deadline. I mean, if you're going to go for it, be in the if you're a Central Division team, I think it's the opportunities there, it's just because the bar is low. Um, you know, I don't know what you can do once you get to the postseason. If you're one of those teams, you know, maybe you get hot at the right time in one of those short series, takes it out. I mean, I look at this Cubs team and 
you know, I cannot deny that they're playing, they're not playing well right now. They are. But I, when I still look at this roster, I don't know that uh, I consider them a really good team. You know, I just think it's a product of uh, a little bit of what they're playing. But you got to give credit. You know, Swanson, Swanson's been on the injured list a little bit. He's come back. He's hit really well. He's been red hot. You know, we've seen those hot and cold streaks. He's got a 118 weighted runs created plus right now. He had a 116 last year for the Braves. 3.8 F4. We know his defense is good. He's slugging five. He slugged 519 in July, and that's kind of carried over. And the big one has been Cody Bellinger. Uh, he was out for a stretch with a knee injury, too. Uh, he's over. He's outperforming all of his metrics, uh, but we know how hot this guy can get. 141 weighted runs created plus, 16 homers. He hit 400 in July, slugged 690, 198 weighted runs created plus. You know, those two guys are really carrying that offense. Um, you know, they've gotten hot, and, uh, you know, I guess it's a testament a little bit to their front office for just not selling off spare parts when they had a chance to get to the postseason. Yeah, the Cubs are weird. I don't really know how else to describe the Cubs because, like, if you look at their pieces, you know, if you look at them as an individual pieces, you don't really see a lot of talent, especially offensively, like Bellinger and Ian Happ are, you know, decent hitters, and, and Bellinger's obviously got a track record of being a great hitter, but it's been a long time. Dansby's more of just a solid hitter, and after that, it's a lot of, you know, kind of questionable offensive pieces, but... You know, they've had some big performances, you know, uh, I don't know if Braves fans know, but Christopher Morrell has, has got, I think, 19 homers for the Cubs this year. Patrick Wisdom is kind of coming to his own as a big league hitter, um, you know, so they've got some interesting pieces. The rotation is very interesting to me because, you know, Stroman just went on the IL with, uh, I forget what the injury was, but he, he went on the IL yesterday with, a, um, yeah, whatever it was, but it, he, so he's out for the next 15 days. They've got Steele, um, who's been who's had a really good year. You know, they've still got Kyle Hendricks, who's a, a solid major league pitcher. Um, but after that, it's you know it's questionable about how good they are and if Stroman's hurt. You know, so I, I am very curious. You never know what's real in the Central. You know, they they they're just it's such a weak division that they they play each other a lot. They beat up on each other. So I don't know. You know, we'll we'll know when we know. This will be a fun series. Um, you know, the Braves obviously get Max Fried back tomorrow, so. You know, that's going to be a big deal and, and how he looks. He's going up against, I don't know, one of the hottest offenses in baseball, quite honestly. They just murdered Cincinnati for two games. And obviously Cincinnati's pitching staff is a, is a disaster. But um, still, you, you know, scoring 36 runs in two games is not easy against anybody. So, yeah, but we get the Braves get Max back. Um, so it'll be a fun series. It doesn't mean a lot for the Braves. It means a lot more for the Cubs. So those are always interesting series. But, yeah, it's a fun team. They would have probably would have sold if, you know, if this is not a expanded playoff year, if it's still a five or four teams getting into the playoffs and the Cubs probably sell um, the fact that they have the extra spot and, you know, there's the, the wild card, all the wild card teams kind of floundered right near the deadline, which, which gave life to teams like the Cubs and the Padres who probably would have been selling otherwise. So yeah, it'll be fun to see. It'd be good. Cool to see Dansby. He's having a really, really good year with Chicago, which is good for him. Uh, he got paid a lot of money and, He's, he's, you know, unlike a lot of his counterparts that have been paid a lot of money around the league at shortstop, you know, he's actually kind of lived up to the deal so far. And um, I know Cubs fans are, are loving having him there. And, and obviously the Braves have RC and have been uh, incredibly happy with him. So it looks like it's worked out for everybody. But it'll be fun to see Dansby. And, yeah, it's always fun to play the Cubs. It's always fun to go to Wrigley. And um, <laughs> I hope you like day games. You know, I tweeted this out. But the Braves play, f- you know, they had a day game yesterday against the Angels. And they, they have four straight or three straight uh, 120 Eastern time games this week, you know, tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday are all day games. So that's Wrigley. That's life at Wrigley field. But um, yeah, it'll be a fun series. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned this before we started recording and uh, I think it's point, I mean, I don't know how, I know of at least this is probably the third time that the Braves have entered a series with the other team was one of the hottest teams in baseball. Uh, if you remember in that unbelievable June run, Early in that thing, I think they were thir- the Braves were thirteen and five, and the Phillies were thirteen and five over their last eighteen games. And uh, Atlanta took two straight. 
rolled into Cincinnati, and Cincinnati was as hot as anybody, and took two out of three up there. And here, the, you know, here here the Cubs are. Uh, they've had a long winning streak, one eight of ten. You know, so it's going to be the same thing over. Yeah, the way the way the Braves are hitting home runs, uh, that could be really interesting at Wrigley Field. Uh, so you know, that'll be that'll be something to watch this weekend. Matt Olson's been unbelievable. Uh, you know, I think we talk about Acuna so much that we don't not really appreciating what Matt Olson's done, especially how his season started. I mean, you know, you start striking out at nearly thirty five percent of the time. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's got 37 homers. Uh, he's going to break, shatter his career high and he's got an op, uh, outside shot at, um, you know, Andrew Jones is 51, uh, career team record. So, you know, a lot of records could fall this year and that'd be something that's probably a podcast episode. Honestly, we probably need to look at that here soon, but, uh, you know, it's going to be a fun series. Uh, we'll see. And uh, obviously getting Max Freed back on Friday, you just hope that goes well. He looks well, uh, looks healthy. Don't really, I'm not really too worried about, you know, the numbers of, of, of the start. I just want to see, you know, I just want to see him back out there healthy and, and throwing the ball good. And, uh, you know, I think everything else will come together. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, with the Braves lead, they have, you, you know, the Braves are in the very fortunate position of really not having to care about the results too much right now. They just, you know, Max being healthy, even if he goes out and gives up, you know, four or five earned runs or whatever it is. If he's, you know, if his velocity looks good, if he, if he says he feels good after the game, honestly, that's, I would take that over him giving up one earned run, but coming out of the game saying, well, you know, I didn't feel great. So, um, you know, the process is, is much more important than the results at this point, given the lead the Braves have. So yeah, just keep everybody healthy, get everybody that's not healthy back up to health, back on the team, back in the, on the roster and, you know, and start carrying this thing towards, you know, what's obviously going to be a, a, a inevitable uh, postseason. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up. Uh, that's a pretty pretty long episode for me and you. So, uh, but uh, you got anything else you want to uh, cover before we get out? No, uh, it's really fun to see, like you said, Olsen and Riley have been hot and the, the offense has been incredible like it has been all year. There was a, there was a little swoon there in July, but it, it was always going to dip a little bit. You can't keep up that pace for that long, but yeah, having Olsen and Riley back hitting, you know, all, you know, everybody knows about Acuna. Acuna, Acuna always hits, but you know, when when Riley and Olsen are hitting the way they are, man, it, it just adds a whole another level to this offense, and um, it's really cool to see those guys play into their talent level. And if that continues, then this will be one of the greatest offenses of all time, if it's not already. Yeah, and Michael Harris too. I mean, I didn't even mention yeah. him. I mean, but yeah. you know, he's been unbelievable uh since he since he got going. You know, it took him a little while after that injury, but he's been un- unbelievable of of late and maybe we'll we'll talk about the home runs one day, but you know, they they're on a historic pace right now. Uh they're going to shatter the team franchise record. Uh but I'd say the 2009 the record set by the uh 2019 Twins is in jeopardy too. So be interesting to see um but we'll we've got plenty to talk about uh, over the final couple of months here and uh now the trade deadline's behind us but uh 50 episodes man it's been fun i appreciate you uh i know we've had to duck in and out a couple of times but uh you know it's it's been fun starting this podcast and appreciate everybody that listens uh it seems like i get a tweet every week asking when the next episode's coming and uh letting us know that they listen and, and we do appreciate that so but if you ain't gonna got anything else i think we're gonna get out of here yep 50 episodes uh here's to 50 more and maybe even more than that so yeah it's been a lot of fun we do appreciate all the the love and support make sure to check out the site make sure to check out the, the podcast network obviously we've got multiple shows the main show with, with scott and, and brad and, and the daily hammer with with sean and of course the the written all the written content on the site chris runs the whole site so you know if you haven't been over to the site batterypower.com check it out and we will see you guys next time